Hi, this is What You Say in English, Season 3, Episode 32. everyone and welcome to another episode of what you say in english this is episode number 32 and this is frank speaking to you this is the podcast in which i listen to you and give you my professional feedback but this time i'm not gonna listen to you you will listen to me well actually you're gonna be listening to a task that i have designed for you as you probably read in the description of today's episode it's going to be devoted to part one of the listening paper focused for C2 learners, because I know that it's very difficult to find material that is dedicated to C2. Of course, C1 learners are also invited to take part and do the task as well. For B2, I'm not very sure, but you might give it a try. I have designed the task keeping in mind learners for C2. And remember that part one is the multiple choice in which you have three extracts. Now, when it comes to the listening, I know that listening can be a challenging task. Even when we communicate in our native language, it becomes especially difficult when someone speaks rapidly or uses unfamiliar words, discussing topics that are unfamiliar to us. Moreover, External factors such as hearing impairments, obscured visibility of the speaker's face, simultaneous conversations, or background noise further complicate our understanding. And when it comes to listening in a different language, the difficulties intensify. Second language learners face additional obstacles in their listening journey. They encounter the following challenges. Language proficiency. For example, learners may struggle with the extensive vocabulary, grammar, or idiomatic expressions, pronunciation awareness, being able to recognize and understand familiar words and structures in spoken language, particularly in fast and connected speech, can be quite challenging. Also, language exposure and experience, because learners may not be accustomed to the speaker's accent, making it harder to comprehend. Familiarity in different accents, including differences from their own, can be of influence and understanding. Also, familiarity with a topic. Listening to the discussions on specialized subjects can pose difficulties for learners who lack prior knowledge in those areas. Also, the learner motivation, because learners' interest in developing their second language skills and their confidence and listening abilities play a significant role. Being aware of personal strengths and weaknesses is essential. And of course, teachers face practical challenges in listening skills as well. Because there are time and syllabus constraints, you know, there's limited time within the curriculum to develop listening skills and ensuring learners can observe their progress over the course duration. Meeting learners' expectations is also crucial here. And I can understand completely when Teachers have to struggle with the time that they have and the little time that students have to really learn the skills that they need. Also, access to resources. As I've said a million times, finding materials can be challenging, especially for C2. The availability of suitable materials, including audio recordings with appropriate exercises tailored 
to learners' levels, exam requirements, and specific weaknesses. And also the possibility to get feedback because addressing individual learners' needs and providing meaningful feedback in a large class setting is a challenge. Striking a balance between assessing correct and incorrect answers and fostering overall listening ability is important for teachers and students alike. Stay tuned because in the following part, I will explain to you what part one of the listening entails, not only for C1, but, but also for C2. And we're going to go over the task before doing the listening, the actual listening. So stay tuned. For the Cambridge English Proficiency Listening Part 1, this is a listening comprehension task involving multiple choice questions. These consist of a question or incomplete sentence known as the stem and three options, A, B, C, which are possible answers to the question or possible ways of completing the sentence. When the stem involves a full question, the options may be full sentences or they may be phrases. Remember that there are three options in the multiple choice questions in this part of the exam, whereas there are four options in part three of this paper and four options in parts two and four of the reading paper. And this is the logic of multiple choice questions. There are four short pieces to listen to, and there are two questions in each piece. The questions normally follow the same order as the relevant parts of the recording, although some questions may be about the piece as a whole. Regarding the text types, the pieces that candidates listen to may be monologues or they may involve more than one speaker. At C2 level, they are all likely to be quite complex and to require candidates to understand not only the information given or the points made, but also to interpret what is heard. For example, to decide what a speaker implies or how a speaker feels. When it comes to the categories of questions, certain terminology is commonly used by the exams board in its specifications and publications. For example, the handbooks that you can download off the official website to refer to the different focuses of questions in this part of the listening paper. It is important when preparing candidates for you as a teacher or you as a learner for the exam to have a clear idea of the different possible focuses of the questions and therefore what candidates will have to think about while they are listening. Of course, the candidates are not required to have a detailed knowledge of this terminology and these different focuses, but they should be aware of the kinds of questions they may face. As a teacher, however, it is a good idea for you to be familiar with the different kinds of question and the terminology for the students and this will mean that you have a good detailed knowledge of how this part of the exam operates, which will greatly assist you when you are preparing candidates for it. As a learner, you also need to be aware of these things. I think it's a very crucial, it's important for you to understand them and to know that you have to be aware of these things. 
Questions in this part of the listening paper are not always the obvious kinds, of course not, of questions that could be asked about what is said in the recording. And you need to know about the different focuses the questions may have so that candidates can be aware of what to expect. The exam aims to have as wide a coverage as possible of all the possible question focuses. It is impossible for all the possible focuses to be tested in any exam, of course, but any of them might be, and so familiarity with all of them is essential. Now I will give you a brief explanation of the terminology and the categories of focus question, the question focus in these parts of the exam. The first type is GIST, G-I-S-T, GIST. A GIST question focuses on the general idea that is communicated rather than on specific detail. Then we have the main idea. The main idea question focuses on a speaker's main point rather than secondary or less important points. I would say that these are the easiest ones to get. Then we have detail. A detailed question focuses on a specific piece of information given or point made by a speaker. Function. This is usually heavily tested. A function question focuses on what the speaker is doing when speaking. For example, praising, disagreeing, explaining, chastising, criticizing, you know. What, what is the speaker trying to do? Then the purpose. A purpose question focuses on what a speaker is trying to achieve when speaking. For example, the effect the speaker wants to have on someone else, what the speaker wants someone to do, etc. The topic, of course, this is another type of question, and it focuses on the speaker's subject, what a speaker is talking about. There's another type, which is also the speaker. A speaker question focuses on who the speaker is. Such questions are comparatively rare. They don't usually appear. I've seen them, but not very frequently. Addressee is the opposite case. An addressee question focuses on who a speaker is speaking to. And again, these are really, really rare. They don't usually come up in the exam. They focus on who the speaker is and who the addressee, the person receiving the question, is. Then we have other types which are really common. Feeling, attitude, and opinion. Now, the feeling question focuses on the feeling. And you will have definitely verbs in the options. The speaker feels, for example, shocked or surprised or flabbergasted. Of course, that word I don't think will ever, ever appear in the exam, but feelings. You need to have a very good command of vocabulary describing feelings. Attitude. The attitude question focuses on the stated or implied way the speaker regards someone or something. It's what they think or what attitude they have towards something, whether it's a positive or negative attitude. And then you have the opinion. The opinion questions focuses on a speaker's stated or implied opinion. And this, it's, I know it's a long list, but you have to make sure that you can recognize the type of question because the vocabulary related to these types of functions and questions will be very important. And whether you're a teacher or a student preparing for these type of listening, and in addition to training given for this task in a course book, and in addition to going carefully through the tests in a practice book, such as the official Cambridge exam books, or another one that I really recommend, which is the Macmillan's New Proficiency Test Builder. You have to get it because it's really good. You should expose yourself 
to as wide a range of listening material as possible. And this needs to be at the required high level of the C2 exam, C1 or C2, depending on the, the one you're preparing to, to enable practice of as wide a range of question focuses as possible. Depending on what's available to you as a teacher or student and what you're able to record yourself, these are the following suggestions for classroom preparation tasks that you can do or at home when you prepare on your own. You have to get hold of news broadcasts. These can be used to practice, you know, the gist, main idea, topic, or detail focuses. Students listening to them may not be required to understand every word, but to get the gist of what is said for each story or news item. You as a student, you can get practice in separating main points from more minor points, and you can decide precisely what the topic is and what you can practice that get, you know, the understanding, uh, the, the precise detail of what is said in the, you know, the piece of information, the facts or figures given, numbers, but names, people's, people's names and, and stuff like that. So you can practice gist, main idea, topic and detail. Now, also, we have other types of listening tasks that you can get hold of, which is discussions. Discussions on radio programs are a valuable way of practicing for many test focuses, including attitude, opinion, feeling, function, and purpose. Should I recommend one, for example, the National Public Radio in the U.S., NPR? They have wonderful shows. For example, there's one that I can never remember. Yeah, I got it. It's All Things Considered. It's a great show. They always invite experts on something. They always discuss a lot of wonderful points. Actually, I believe that they produce, I think Pearson published a book some years ago, quite a few years ago, called Raise the Issues. If you can get hold of that book, it's great because it's based on readings and listenings, real, re real listenings from the National Public Radio. And every unit is a topic. It's a very sensitive topic. And you get to listen. You can practice all of these functions. And it comes with a CD. I think it's available still. I'm not really sure. I do have a copy of the book, of course, a book that I bought many years ago. Sometimes I use it with my classes to spark discussion because you can get a lot of opinion, attitude, feeling, function, and, and purpose. So you can get hold of these types of shows to practice getting the op opinions and feelings of the speakers. Also, there's Vox Pop. This is this basically means ordinary people talking, vox populi. And it is a key part of this part of the exam because many of the short pieces that candidates have to listen to are presented as genuine speech acts by real people in various real-life situations. If you can find material of this kind at a suitable level, perhaps in other non-exam books, you can use it to practice a variety of test focuses. If it is possible to do so, you should consider using video, DVD, or Blu-ray, you know, anything, as well as radio, TV programs. They are valuable. Now we have YouTube, for example, as a source of practice material for listening as radio programs are. In the course of preparing students, as a teacher or yourself for this part, and indeed for the listening paper in general, you should make sure that you get as familiar as possible with a variety of native speaker accents, regional British English, American, Australian, as 
you will hear these accents in the actual exam. I'm going to walk you through the task part one and give you a few strategies if you're doing it as a study mode or as a test mode. So let's begin as a study mode. When I say study mode is that you don't follow the constraints of the exam. Let's say the timing or the listening. You just listen to the recording twice and you take all the time in the world to analyze the questions, make annotations, make sure that you understand the vocabulary. Also, gauging how much vocabulary you understand and how much vocabulary you don't know. This is crucial because the number one problem, well, I always say it's the number one problem, but it's a very common problem and it's an obstacle, a big obstacle, vocabulary, knowing the words in the options. Many times my students in class do not choose an option because they don't know what it means and they feel afraid that if they choose that option, they might make a mistake because they don't know what the meaning is. So you have to make sure that you know the vocabulary in the task. So you can do it as a study mode task. No timing. You take all the time you need to really understand what every question is testing. So my understanding of the multiple choice questions is that at least one other option, apart from the right answer, will be mentioned in some way in the listening. And that will be your distraction. So how can you avoid distractions? Normally, when it comes to the reading, I recommend students to really not pay attention to the options. Just look at the question, go to the text, and find the answer, underline it, and make sure you understand what the answer is, and then you read the options. It's easier to compare. The cognitive load is less, way less, because you don't have three, four options in your head circling around, and especially if they're going to be mentioned in the text, you know, it's even worse. So in terms of the listening, this is something you can do for this part, part one, and also part uh, three, uh, which is the interview with the A, B, C, D. It has four options. So what I recommend is if you can copy or print another copy of the questions without the options or you blank out the options you can even put paper on top or cover with your hand i don't mind i don't care how you cover the options don't look at the options just look at the questions listen to the recording and make notes this is a great exercise for note taking so you take notes of your answers you listen to the recordings you can listen to the recordings even three times you're just practicing you're preparing and after that, with your notes, you look at the options and then you try to answer. How is that effective? If you think about it, if you took note of what really gave you the answer, that means you're on the right track. You know what you're doing and you're really paying attention to what really needs to be paid attention to. So if you get what I'm coming from, that would be a great indicator that you're improving. If your, notes, if your notes don't really help you, 
that means that you're not really paying attention to what needs, what is important for the question. Okay, so you need to practice more. Okay, so you can leave it blank. You can just, you know, let it rest. Then try again a couple of weeks after that or a week after that. And then you try again. Seeing, of course, you will remember part of the listening, but, you know, memory is something special. So you will not remember every word. So you can actually try the task again. I always recommend doing the task again after some time just to see if you make the same mistakes again. If you make the same mistakes again, then you're not improving. Okay. So I know that you will probably remember. And when my students tell me, for example, oh, but I've, I've done this task before. I tell them, well, then you should get all the answers correct. And then when we check the task, they realize that they made mistakes. So they're still making mistakes. So there's something that you're not doing that you need to do. Okay, so going back to the strategy, you can do the listening as a note-taking activity. So at extract one, you look at the questions, not the options, you cover them, and then you listen and take notes. And then you try to choose the answer from the notes. Okay, so that's a very nice activity that you can do at home on your own. Even in class as a teacher, you can do this task. You can prepare a blank, you know, the task. You can print it, blanking all the options. And then have the students talk together, for example. If you have a group of people, you can have the students talk together. And sometimes one student heard something that the other didn't. And that can be a great way to negotiate the answer to the questions. If you're doing it as, as, as an exam task, then don't blank out anything. You Obviously, you can make notes and everything. But the time you have to read ahead, which is approximately... I would say it's like 15 seconds. I think you have 15 seconds after the the narrator of the exam says extract one. Then you have 15 seconds. You look at the two questions. You can do several things. What I sometimes recommend is like reading the question and looking at the options and try to think about reasons why an option might be true. For example, um, thinking of which one sounds like a plausible answer. Oh, I think in number one, a sounds like a good answer, or at least that's what I would answer as a, as a logical answer. Another thing you can do, if you don't like that approach, just try the approach of eliminating at least one option. If you can eliminate one of the three options as, well, this is not really possible, do so. And then you put like a tiny little minus next to the letter, just so as a reminder that this is probably not the right answer. Why should you do that? Because basically, when you do the listening, you will be more invested in the listening. You will be paying more attention closely because you already have an opinion about question one and question two about extract one, for example. So there's going to be something, involvement, and it's important that you feel involved in the listening because you have an opinion established, you read, you read the questions, and then you read the options and I, you have something. So that will make you feel more concentrated on the listening. Another problem is that getting, you know, students getting distracted. Because when they don't understand the question or they don't get the point of the question, then it's a problem. Understand? So I'm going to walk you through. We're going to do the analysis one by one, of course. If you want to do it, you can uh, stop the recording now. And you can skip to the next part because the next part is the actual listening. And I have respected the timing. So you just let it play 
it's going to repeat a second time. So you just let it play. So remember, if you want to do this task as an exam task, stop the podcast now and move on to the next part. Okay. So if you decided to stay, I'm going to go over each extract, analyze the questions, think about the options, why people might say this, this, or that. Okay. So let's get on to it. In extract one, we have a conversation between two students talking about podcasts to learn languages. Now, it's a conversation between Mark and Lisa. And Mark, the first question is, Mark believes that listening to podcasts to learn languages, this is the kind of stem, which is an incomplete sentence. And then ABC is the continuation to that sentence. So obviously, the topic of listening to podcasts, you probably have an opinion. So why not trying to think about which of the three options you would probably choose for yourself? So A can be overwhelming due to the amount of content available. I have a feeling that this is probably, I know it's true. I know that some people might feel overwhelmed. There are, there are so many things. And probably when you want to do, when you want to listen to podcasts, you might probably ask someone who knows a little bit more about it and say, hey, can you recommend podcasts because I, I would like to practice my listening skills, but there are so many things available. So I think that might be a plausible answer. B is, is beneficial for improving listening skills. This sounds very, very obvious. I might probably choose this one as the right answer. And C is, is not as effective as traditional learning methods. Well, this is also true. But if I had to choose, I would probably say that C is not a good answer. I would probably eliminate C. Maybe B sounds like the obvious option. But of course, that might be a distraction. Remember that listening uh, in, this, in this part have distractions. Now, the second part, both Lisa and Mark agree that, another incomplete sentence, then A says podcasts should replace traditional language learning methods. Hmm, I don't agree with that, actually. I don't think they would agree on that. And the question is asking me to agree. Podcasts should, be re should replace traditional language learning methods. I don't think that that would be possible. So I would probably eliminate A. B, the variety of podcasts can confuse language learners, probably because many podcasts have a very specific niche in, in mind. And as a learner, you might probably feel a little bit confused. And option C says podcasts provide real world language exposure. Well, that's true. Hmm, I feel that C might be the right answer. Now, going back to question one and two, it's obvious that the first one is testing what I think Mark believes. So I have to pay attention to what he believes. This is an attitude question, what he thinks, the attitude that he has toward something. Whereas number two is what both Mark and Lisa agree with. And you have to be careful with agreement because not all the time will the, the speakers use expressions like, oh, I agree, I see what you mean, and I, I get your point on that, blah, 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 and whatnot. Expre typical expressions to agree or disagree. I think sometimes, especially at C2, the options here, for example, agreeing, is just because another speaker extended what the other person said. And that would be, that, that would implicitly state that the other person agrees. So if I give an opinion about something and the other person says, and extending, for example, extending what the other person said, well, definitely it's because they obviously agree. Now, regarding extract two, it's a conversation between 
a linguistics professor, Dr. James, and a student, Emily, discussing translation in language learning. Of course, I chose topics dear to me, things that I care about. Uh, I'm a linguist, of course, so I care about these things. By the way, I designed the task, if you didn't know. I used a lot of artificial intelligence, like voice cloning and, and whatnot, a lot of different tools that now you have available. Now it's so easy to create these kind of materials. So, you know, we'll discuss about that later. But in the, in the second extract, question three says, Dr. James believes, this is another question testing what they believe in. It's an attitude question with a focus on uh, attitudes. Dr. James believes that translation in language learning, it's an incomplete ta uh, sentence, A, should be completely avoided if it becomes an obstacle to learning. Well, that sounds like a logical thing to say. I, it should be avoided if it becomes an obstacle. Obviously, anything that can uh, that becomes an obstacle should be avoided. B, can be a useful tool if used appropriately. Makes sense. I would probably choose this one as the right answer. Um, C, is the most effective method for learning new vocabulary. Ooh, that sounds like another good option, to be honest. So this is something that you can do when you prepare before the listening. When you look at the options, you think about, do you agree with the options? Do you don't agree with the options? That will keep you more involved. You, you will feel invested in the task. Now, question four is, Dr. James corrects Emily's belief that. So Emily gives an opinion and he corrects her belief. That's another attitude question. A, translation can lead to a misunderstanding of the target language. I, I'm trying to think of a situation that that might be possible. Translation can, well, probably, you know, words have different translations. A word can mean a lot of different things, and that can be, that can lead to a misunderstanding. I can see that. B, translation should be the primary method in language learning. Well, as a teacher, I'm not really into that. I don't think that translation, well, there used to be a translation approach many, many, many years ago, but I think that it should be a, a method, definitely, but a primary method, I'm not really sure about it. So B, I would be careful with B. And C, relying solely on translation can hinder language learning. This is interesting. Relying solely on translation can hinder language learning. Mm, it's interesting. I think that sounds also like a possible answer. I would probably discard B as not a possible answer. So something like, mm, I'm not really sure about B, maybe between A and B and C, the answer might be there. Remember that making predictions like this one or thinking about the options just the way we're doing it right now, it doesn't mean that the answers will be the way we want them to be. It's just because I want you to be involved in the task. By doing this, you're forcing your brain to really pay attention and compare whatever you believed, what the listening actually says. Now, let's go to extract three. And you hear a podcast host talking, not me, of course, <laughs> talking about what tourists should and shouldn't do when visiting another country. Uh, Alex, his name is Alex. So question five is, Alex mentions the use of simple phrases in the local language primarily to, ooh, this is a function question. What is his intention? So, is he talking about the use of simple phrases to criticize tourists who don't make an effort? Probably. This sounds like, an, like a good option because I might probably... I mean, if you're traveling to, let's say, India, and if you at least don't try to say something like namaste, 
I think it's just, you know, you're just don't make in the effort. So I think I might probably criticize tourists that <laughs> they just don't want to do that. B, explain the importance of communication. Well, it's true. Communication goes beyond this and it doesn't always imply the, la the spoken language. It does, of course, but it's not only that. And C, encourage tourists to engage with locals. I think all of the options are sound like a good answer, to be honest. And I would probably say that this is going to be, number five is probably going to be hard for me. In that case, what do I do if I think that the three options are kind of tricky? Well, just listen to what the speaker says and try to find paraphrasing. And understand, so criticizing, explaining, encourage. So when we criticize, we use specific language, like should or shouldn't. I think it's a bad idea. Encouraging, you use vocabulary for encouraging other people. So you have to be aware of that and you have to really pay attention to that. Now in the last question, what does Alex say about relying on English when traveling? This is the typical, this is the one that is not uh, the stem of the question. It's not an, an unfinished sentence. It's a full question. What does, so this is detail. This is about details. It's asking about a detail. What does Alex say? It's a detailed question about relying on English when traveling. A, it can limit the cultural experience. Hmm, probably. If you don't try to speak the local language, maybe you can be limited because maybe if you rely on English all the time, it's going to be hard, especially if you travel to a non-English-speaking non country, you know. B, it is necessary in non-English speaking countries. So, I don't know, it sounds a little bit confusing to me. I would probably eliminate B. And C, it is preferred by locals in most countries. Well, that might be true. I think that might hold true in some cases. Okay, so this is what we do. This is what I do in class with my students. And of course, if I have one-to-one -one classes, I would do it with a student, just, just the student and me. And if I have a group of people, as students, I would let them discuss and I would let them have a wonderful conversation. It's incredible because this can also be practiced for part three of the of the speaking test. So you can take advantage of these things to spark discussion in the classroom. And as a, as a student, for example, if you're preparing on your own, you can make notes. You can all these things that I said and mentioned, you can write them as notes when you prepare for this task. So this is the way I do it as a, not, not really as an exam task, more as a learning task. So especially if you, if you need a little more preparation on this, making sure that, you know, you can be ready for the task. Now, get ready because in the following part, you will listen to the task as it is. I will not even make an introduction. After the break, you will start with the listening. Listening part one. You will hear three different extracts. For questions one to six, choose the answer, A, B or C, which fits best according to what you hear. There are two questions for each extract. Extract one.
Mark, you've been incorporating podcasts into your Spanish learning journey. Can you share your thoughts on their effectiveness? Sure, Lisa. One thing I've noticed is the sheer volume of content out there. It's like a vast ocean and it can be quite daunting to decide where to dive in. But once you get past that, podcasts are a fantastic resource. They've allowed me to immerse myself in the language as it's used in real-life situations, which is a refreshing change from the structured dialogues in textbooks. I see your point, Mark. The extensive variety of podcasts can indeed be overwhelming, especially for beginners. However, with some experience, it becomes easier to navigate and select the ones that align with your learning goals. And I agree, the authenticity of language in podcasts is a significant advantage. They offer learners a glimpse into real-life conversations, which is invaluable. Mark, you've been incorporating podcasts into your Spanish learning journey. Can you share your thoughts on their effectiveness? Sure, Lisa. One thing I've noticed is the sheer volume of content out there. It's like a vast ocean and it can be quite daunting to decide where to dive in. But once you get past that, podcasts are a fantastic resource. They've allowed me to immerse myself in the language as it's used in real-life situations, which is a refreshing change from the structured dialogues in textbooks. I see your point, Mark. The extensive variety of podcasts can indeed be overwhelming, especially for beginners. However, with some experience, it becomes easier to navigate and select the ones that align with your learning goals. And I agree, the authenticity of language in podcasts is a significant advantage. They offer learners a glimpse into real-life conversations, which is invaluable. Extract 2 Dr. James, I've always been told that translation can be a hindrance when learning a new language. It's said to lead to misunderstanding and confusion. What's your take on this? Well, Emily, that's a common misconception. Translation, like any other tool, can be beneficial if used appropriately. It can provide a bridge to understanding the target language, especially when dealing with complex concepts or new vocabulary. However, the key is not to rely solely on translation. It's just one of many strategies in the language learning process. So, are you suggesting that translation should be the primary method in language learning? Not at all, Emily. While translation can be a useful tool, it should not be the primary method. Language learning is a multifaceted process that involves various strategies like immersion, conversation practice, and vocabulary building. Relying solely on translation can indeed hinder the learning process as it might not capture the nuances and idiomatic expressions of the target language. Dr. James, I've always been told that translation can be a hindrance when learning a new language. It's said to lead to misunderstanding and confusion. What's your take on this? Well, Emily, that's a common misconception. Translation, like any other tool, can be beneficial if used appropriately. It can provide a bridge to understanding the target language especially when dealing with complex concepts or new vocabulary. However, the key is not to rely solely on translation. It's just one of many strategies in the language learning process. So, are you suggesting that translation should be the primary method in language learning? Not at all, Emily. 
While translation can be a useful tool, it should not be the primary method. Language learning is a multifaceted process that involves various strategies like immersion, conversation practice, and vocabulary building. Relying solely on translation can indeed hinder the learning process, as it might not capture the nuances and idiomatic expressions of the target language. Extract 3 When you're planning a trip to a foreign country, it's tempting to lean on English or a translation app as your safety net. It's understandable to do this, especially when visiting countries where locals speak a not-too-friendly language. But let me offer a different perspective. Consider learning a handful of phrases in the local language. This isn't about achieving perfect grammar or pronunciation, but about extending a hand, showing that you value their culture and traditions. You'll find that even a basic greeting or expression of gratitude in the local tongue can pave the way for more genuine interactions. However, there's a flip side to this coin. If you choose to stick exclusively to English or your native language, you might inadvertently erect a wall between yourself and the cultural richness that surrounds you. It is true that more and more people learn English in countries such as China or Japan, where more often than not, locals would happily oblige but that can only be a lifesaver in big cities, not in smaller villages. So, when you're preparing for your next adventure, why not add a few local phrases to your travel checklist? When you're planning a trip to a foreign country, it's tempting to lean on English or a translation app as your safety net. It's understandable to do this, especially when visiting countries where locals speak a not-too-friendly language. But let me offer a different perspective. Consider learning a handful of phrases in the local language. This isn't about achieving perfect grammar or pronunciation, but about extending a hand, showing that you value their culture and traditions. You'll find that even a basic greeting or expression of gratitude in the local tongue can pave the way for more genuine interactions. However, there's a flip side to this coin. If you choose to stick exclusively to English or your native language, you might inadvertently erect a wall between yourself and the cultural richness that surrounds you. It is true that more and more people learn English in countries such as China or Japan, where more often than not, locals would happily oblige, but that can only be a lifesaver in big cities, not in smaller villages. So, when you're preparing for your next adventure, why not add a few local phrases to your travel checklist? Well, I hope you did well in the listening. You remember that you will have all the material for download in the episode description. But I will go one by one. Let's begin with extract one. Question one is B. Mark believes that listening to podcasts to learn languages is beneficial for improving listening skills. In the conversation, Mark mentions that podcasts offer a unique opportunity to tune into the rhythm and pace of the language as it's used in everyday scenarios. 
which indicates that he finds podcasts beneficial for improving listening skills. In question two, the answer is C. Both Lise and Mark agree that podcasts provide real-world language exposure. Both Lise and Mark acknowledge the benefit of real-world language exposure provided by podcasts. Mark mentions the opportunity to hear the language in everyday scenarios, and Lisa concurs, noting the authenticity of language in podcasts and how they offer learners a glimpse into real-life conversations, while they both mention the potential confusion due to the variety of podcasts, Lisa makes a concession, this is the distraction of course, that with some experience it becomes easier to navigate, indicating that she doesn't fully agree with that point. Now, when it comes to extract two, question three, Dr. James believes that translation in language learning can be a useful tool if used appropriately. That's option B. In the conversation, Dr. James states, that translation, like any other tool, can be beneficial if used appropriately. Question four is C. Dr. James corrects Emily's belief that relying solely on translation can hinder language learning. Emily suggests that translation should be the primary method in language learning, to which Dr. James responds, while translation can be a useful tool, it should not be the primary method. Relying solely on translation can indeed hinder the learning process. In extract three, question five, the answer is C again. The podcast host, Alex, mentions the use of simple phrases in the local language primarily to suggest a way to demonstrate appreciation for the local culture. In the monologue, Alex suggests that tourists should consider learning a handful of phrases in the local language, showing that you value their culture and traditions. This indicates that he is suggesting a way to demonstrate appreciation for the local culture. In question six, the answer is A. The question, what does Alex say about relying on English when traveling? It can limit the cultural experience. Alex mentions that if you choose to stick exclusively to English or your native language, you might inadvertently erect a wall between yourself and the culture richness that surrounds you. And this obviously indicates that relying on English can limit the cultural experience. I think in the end, the task ended up being quite easy and manageable. I didn't want to make it very strong. I just wanted to go through the task with you guys and explain the different strategies that I use in my classroom and things that you can do on your own. Of course, you will be able to find more challenging exercises and maybe try the ones that you have tried before following the strategies that I have explained today. And please let me know in the comments. I know that if you use Spotify, you can leave a comment of what you thought about the episode. So let me know if you liked it, if you want me to produce more content like this. I know that I did a part four. I think that exercise in particular had a few mistakes, <laughs> to be honest. I didn't go through very carefully. Am I, I might probably revisit it or change it a little bit. But I think it's a great way of me as a person, as a teacher, and let's say materials writer. I'm not a professional materials writer, but I do my best. So let me know if you liked it. And of course, I will happily oblige. And once again, I'm telling you, you can download all the material explanations audio script and accept the audio for this task.
Well, we're getting to the end of the episode, so thank you very much for joining me this time. I think it, it's been a great way to practice listening skills. Of course, I give you a lot of introduction, a lot of explanations of why it is important, what you can do on your own if you want to do it as a as an exam task, as a learning task, or study mode, as I usually call it. And of course, everything is up to you. You can find material. I will try to provide material fresh and new whenever possible, of course. That's, you know, my appreciation for you. You know, you follow me not only here in the podcast, but also in uh, my TikTok channel, which is, by the way, it's it keeps on growing and growing and growing. I don't see the end of it, but I think it's making me feel very happy to see that every day, you know, 1,000 people, 500 people follow the, the channel. Thank you very much. I cannot thank you enough. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you, and thanks for following me. And I'm open to most, more suggestions. Remember that my email is podcast at languageteaching.es, and you can send me your requests. Um, some people have already contacted me. I'm also getting some let's say, invitations by different apps. I'm also organizing a very interesting interview with an important person from an exam body. It's not Cambridge, of course, but it's another important exam body, a board. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to get more important people involved. Also, I have a friend and colleague who is an expert in teacher training. You know, I'm, I'm trying to build... Uh, you know, expand my approach in the podcast and not only to give you information about exam preparation, but also what other things you can do, especially for people who are preparing for the C2. And then sometimes they feel that they have learned so many things in English that they would like to teach other people. I can understand that C2 learners, when they get to the C2, a very natural path is teaching. And I think that's a wonderful thing to do. I've been doing it for the last 25 years, 25 plus years, and, you know, I never get tired. Of course, there's the odd day in which I say, oof, I'm tired, but I will never get tired of really teaching. So there's a lot of things coming. You just have to give me a little time and see, you know, produce the, a great podcast that you deserve. So thank you very much. And until next week, bye bye. Bye.